is The Mudroom, on Common Sense Parenting Classes with Alana Robinson, parenting effectiveness coach and child behavior strategist. Weekly nuggets of developmentally appropriate parenting wisdom to help you parent your toddlers and preschoolers more effectively with less effort. The Mudroom is recorded live on Facebook every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. Pacific. Now, here's Alana. Hello, and welcome to a back episode of The Mudroom. Hello, everyone. Like, I know that many of you, you're already in summer mode. Your kids are already out of school. Daycare is on summer hours. Here in Canada, we're on a bit of a delayed schedule. (laughs) We've had a very rough spring, and summer is taking its sweet-ass time to show up. But we are finally getting more nice days than gross ones. My kids are playing outside. Logan had his first t-ball game slash practice tonight. So if I'm looking a little dusty, that might be why. (laughs) But it's phenomenal. I am so ready for summer. We opened our cottage last week, so I got that off the docket. And next is opening our pool, which I am very excited for. So I think that our topic tonight is very timely because I know that over the summer, this tends to become harder. (laughs) We're spending a lot more time around our kids than we do during the school year. And just now, actually, in the Parenting Posse, we were having a conversation and a lot of you cited that falling back on old habits is something that you're struggling with. And I find that it's easier to stick to new habits when we really understand why the old ones aren't serving us anymore. So before we get going, hi, allow me to introduce myself quickly. My name is Alana Robinson and I'm a parenting effectiveness coach. I help parents of toddlers and preschoolers understand why their children are misbehaving and how to fix it without yelling, shaming, or using timeouts. So I am your host here on The Mudroom. I'm the host of the Parenting Posse Facebook group, and I host my group coaching program, the Brain Skills Play Blueprint. Blueprint. I am in the process of renaming it because if I can't say it, nobody can. (laughs) Guys, I wanna know, do you yell a lot at home? Do you find yourself yelling frequently? Yes, no. I recently saw a video which I actually think has probably been out for some time and it had just been reposted, but it's the first time I saw it. And it's a mom and she appears to be sitting in a garage or like a storage space. She's sitting kind of amidst piles of stuff and she's defending her, I wanna call it a choice, it's not really her choice, but her yelling parenting style is how she puts it. And she basically says, yep, I'm a yeller. When I yell, shit gets done, so I don't even want to stop yelling anymore because it works. Which, okay, cool. I don't really think anybody has to publicly justify their parenting choices that way. Maybe with the exception of abusers. We're not all going to parent the same way. And she even admits in her video that there is probably a healthier way for her to be rearing her children. But at this point, she's like, fuck it, this works, so I'm doing it. But what I noticed was that under that video, there were a lot of comments that said, I'm a yeller too, I hate it, I hate yelling, I know that it's not effective, I know that it's not good for my kids, but I have no idea how to do anything else. 
So I would love to know, do you consider yourself a yeller? Do you think it works? Or do you wish that you knew a better way too? So you probably know, and if you don't, now you do, that in Uncommon Sense Parenting, we are big on not yelling. We're big on staying calm, keeping control of the situation. And then if you need to let out some big emotions to like go ham on a punching bag or you know, take a walk out into the woods and give a good yell, scream into a pillow in private, whatever it is that you need to do to not let it get bottled up. Because I think a lot of people think that the opposite of yelling is being zen and permissive. And that's not really true. Like you can be firm, you can have expectations without having to flip your lid at your kid and in turn flipping your child's lid. So just quick science alert, I'm going to get a bit nerdy on you, but stick with me and I'll break it all down for you. So when we yell, when we shock our kids with sound, we put them into what's called hyperarousal. So when you're hyperaroused, you lose access to what's known as your blue brain, which is your neocortex. This is where language, reason, analysis, and logic live. It's where our executive functioning is. So don't get this confused with just plain old arousal. We want our children to be alert and engaged, but arousal, just general arousal, means that your limbic system and your neocortex are both pulling the same amount of weight. They're working together. They're talking to each other. When we put children into hyperarousal, we shut off their blue brain. Your neocortex is not necessary for life. It's necessary to be civilized, but it is not necessary to keep you alive. It's non-essential. Which, don't get me wrong, sometimes we want. When your kid is about to run out into a parking lot full of cars, you want to be able to engage that survival instinct. When your child is about to put their hand on a hot stove, you want to engage that survival instinct. But it is possible to become chronically hyper-aroused when we misuse that survival instinct. If we're engaging that survival instinct over non-safety threats, over everyday stuff like calling our kids to the table, finding their shoes, getting them dressed, then we both become desensitized to it. Calm and alert become this foreign state that you're never in. You're always used to being hyper-aroused. That's your new baseline. It's like when you finally get five minutes to sit down and relax, and then you just can't stop thinking about your to-do list, or you constantly feel like there is something that you should be doing, that's a form of hyper-arousal. Does anybody ever feel like that? I know I feel like that constantly. <laughs> I'm always like, oh, here's the 85 things that I should be doing instead of sitting down and taking a breather. But children who are chronically hyper-aroused are using the part of their brain that deals primarily with emotions, intuition, sensing, and feeling, their limbic system. So they become very emotional. They become very stimulus-reactive. Rather than listening, which they can't do because remember, their blue brain is offline. 
They don't have access to reason. They often don't have access to language. They're just reacting to stimulus. That's why when you yell, you very quickly find that you have to yell all the time or else nobody ever listens to you because you're creating a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. The more you yell, the more that becomes the norm. That's the new baseline. So then you have to yell louder to produce the same reaction. And then that becomes the new baseline. And things just keep escalating. And it may get things done short term, but it's setting your kids up for failure in terms of learning. You need your blue brain to be fully engaged in order to learn, which again causes issues because parents feel like they're yelling about the same stuff over and over and over and over and over again, and their children never listen, and therefore they never learn. Well, no, they can't. When you yell, you make it neurologically impossible for them to do that. So if you consider yourself a yeller, that's cool, but I don't want to be hearing about your kids not listening, how emotional and helpless they act, how defensive they are, how much attitude they have, how they're easily influenced by their peers, and how much difficulty they're having at school. Because we have scientific proof now how you parent wires your child's brain. If you are constantly yelling, you're wiring your child for reactivity instead of calm. And beyond that, you're wiring yourself for reactivity instead of calm, right? Yelling hyperarouses us too. It makes our own limbic systems freak out. So you're going to be quicker to yell about very minor things because eventually you're going to forget what calm feels like too. And you can set boundaries without yelling. You can teach your children to set shift so that they pay attention when you speak. You can teach your children task initiation skills so that they know how to do what you've asked of them. You can use the logical consequence process to teach them how to think critically, to not follow the crowd, and to make amends when they mess up. And none of it involves yelling. So if you're a yeller, but that is sounding less appealing right now, <laughs> come join us in the parenting posse. We don't judge for how you've done things in the past. You know, you do the best you can with the tools that you've got. But we have tons of resources for you to help you keep your boundaries, get shit done, and not yell. Without any, you know, woo, you have to master the end art of zen type stuff. There's also my free script pack for managing crazy making behaviors and they go into just a bit more detail on 10 very common child behaviors that drive you absolutely batshit crazy and they give you just a little one-liner for starting to address it and that will be linked up in the description. So I'd love to hear what you think. Does that make sense? Are you convinced? Let me know in the comments. Hey Janelle! Janelle says she yells because I think it's the only way that they can quote-unquote hear me because they are so loud. Well, yes, there's that aspect too, right? If, if there's a decibel problem in your environment, then yes, sometimes you have to be louder than the decibel level, but that is different from yelling in anger or yelling to spur them into action, right? If, if you're just yelling so that they realize that you're speaking to them, that's, that's a little different. And yeah, sometimes, sometimes you have to, right? Especially if it's, again, a safety concern. You need to 
you need to get some attention. But even then, there are techniques. Like my favorite one is just getting their eye contact, right? We, it's so simple. It's so simple, but it is something we forget to do all the time. We are so used to talking to our hearing children and not having to actually look at them when we do so that we forget about the power of eye contact, right? So often if we just get in their space and even just take their hands, like I will often take a child's hands and look them in the eye and be like, hey, I have something to tell you. And that immediately helps them set shift, right? It pulls their focus. It gets that interbrain connection going where they're like, oh, you're here. You're talking to me. We're engaged. Okay, great. And once they're looking at you and acknowledge you, then you can speak without having to, you know, bring it up to to 10. Janelle says, what about mom voice? Mom voice is still okay. Yes, of course. But there's, again, there's a difference between mom voice where you're like, Okay, like, you are approaching a limit here, and I'm just letting you know that I'm going to enforce it, right? That's what mom voice should be used for. Again, when you're screaming and yelling at your kids to get everyday things done, that is very different than, you know, kind of the warning shot of mom voice. Yelling in the context that I'm speaking about is, you know, you ask them three or four times to get their shoes on. And then on the fourth time, you're like, get your shoes on! Right? And that's, and everybody's like, that's when they start to to behave. That's when they start to do what I ask them to do. But as I said, very quickly, you stop doing the three or four nice asks beforehand. Right? Very quickly, you start going directly to the yell. And that's when we start seeing chronic hyperarousal. And even when we do maybe do one or two nice asks, if we're always ending up yelling and that's when things start moving, then it's a good chance that your child is in chronic hyperarousal. And then it's a lot of work to teach them how to calm down again, to teach both of you how to bring the baseline back down so that when you use something more minor like mom voice, it actually has an effect, right? And if you can teach both of you the skills that they need in order to not have to yell, then that, again, it opens the brain up for learning. You're not going to have to ask 40,000 times to get one thing done. Because when you ask them or you teach them to do something, their blue brain's going to be online. It's going to be able to suck that information, process it in, and then actually use it. And that's what we want, right? That's, that's the important part. Well, thanks again for hanging out with me this evening. We will see you next week for another Uncommon Sense Parenting class. Bye. You've been listening to The Mudroom, Uncommon Sense Parenting Classes with Alana Robinson. If you like what you just heard, remember to join us every Tuesday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. Pacific on Facebook. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, share, and connect with us on social. This has been an Alana Robinson Family Services production.